Tell me if you relate. You have a product or service and you want more folks to know about it. And social media ads haven't worked out so great. Or maybe you want to take your current marketing strategies up several notches. I find podcast marketing so smart and helpful. Honestly, even if I didn't have a show of my own, I would recommend it. A recent study showed that podcast advertising is over four times more effective than display ads, with 67% of listeners remembering brands. And 63% of listeners surveyed said that they have made a purchase after hearing a podcast ad. I know I have, and I have gotten some sweet deals too. Zencaster's creator network makes it easy to not only reach potential customers through podcasts, but to make sure that your brand and the shows are a good fit. If you are interested in sponsoring this show or running ads on other podcasts, visit zen.ai slash girlbonerradio0. Fill in your contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life. Again, that's zen.ai slash girlbonerradio0. What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Have you ever had a sexual experience that had a dramatic impact on your life? I love exploring such happenings here with so many different people. And it's been a while since I've shared one of my own. So today I'm going to read a snippet from my Girl Boner book. It's an essay called The Orgasm That Changed My Life. It's from chapter one. And as you'll see, the experience played a huge role not only in my personal life, but in my decision to start the work I do today and here to you all. I did share a very early, unpublished, unfinished draft of this story years ago here, in case it sounds familiar. You can still hear that version on Patreon. I admit, sharing this story feels vulnerable because I wrote it close to 10 years ago, and I haven't read it even to myself in a long time. So this feels like going back in time as a writer and, of course, sexually too. Still, I'm deciding to share it, and I didn't want to psych myself out by combing over it beforehand because I really want to honor where I was at the time, both when I wrote it and when the experience happened. And I will try to stay on script. Okay, without further ado... The Orgasm That Changed My Life. I never imagined that a routine, if somewhat melancholy day, would end in one of the most beautiful and powerful lovemaking experiences of my life. 
the kind that leaves one elated, intoxicated, and swimming in grateful tears. Nor had I imagined that one sexual experience could change my life as I knew it, leaving me in an enigmatic ocean of what-ifs. But that is exactly what happened. I'd recently transitioned from my long-time modeling and acting career to writing full-time, and my husband of one year was away, working long hours on a commercial, a scenario to which I had grown accustomed. I'd spent much of the day working on a story, an hour or two walking my deaf American bulldog, and a short while tidying our home and cooking the simplest curry I could conjure. All evening, I had been trying to lure myself away from a hefty case of the blahs. I wasn't clinically depressed, I know, because I've been there. I just wasn't feeling particularly happy, as though my normally high-voltage light bulb had fizzled to dim. Making matters worse, the lonely gap longed not only to be filled, but coddled and cured by another While I adored my partner and having someone to miss, that needy, pining feeling had to go. You should feel strong and fulfilled, I told myself, whole on your own. Only I wasn't, not that night. I didn't have a good reason to feel low other than being someone prone to such lapses. I also lacked the strength and fortitude to pull myself from it. I should write more and stronger, I told myself. Getting lost in story was the best medicine I'd found. If writing didn't remove my sadness, it usually lessened or distracted me somewhat from it. But that night, my thoughts were fixated elsewhere. Was I merely insecure, I wondered? I was definitely insecure, I concluded, but was that all? As though on cue, my cell phone buzzed, alerting me to a text message. I leapt for it, hoping it was my husband, a serendipitous, I'm done and coming home early message. Nope. Hey babe, you around tonight? (sighs) Ah, Chad. My heart swelled at the thought of him as I stared longingly at the phone. The sexy, successful actor and I had met on one of my first nights out in the Hollywood scene and we had shared explosive chemistry. Had I been single, I would have responded, met up with him and drowned my emptiness in cocktails and conversation, until pheromones took over and we ended up naked and entangled in his Hollywood Hills home. But I was married, happily so, and honestly didn't feel the need or desire for anyone else. The distraction, escape, and release such an interlude would bring, however, I could have used by the truckload. I entertained the notion for a few moments, more daydream, fantasy style than intention-filled, which only made me feel worse. So flipping alone. I felt pathetic. Bridget Jones and her diary had nothing on me. It's too bad I barely ever drink. Get over yourself, I thought, hitting delete on Chad's message. 
You have so much to be grateful for. Count your damn blessings. You'll feel better tomorrow. Just breathe. Hoping for distraction, I flipped the TV on and scrolled through programs that failed to tantalize, then perused Netflix. The automated service suggested, I'm not kidding, Diary of a Nymphomaniac. If there's a god, she has a serious sense of humor. Heck, I figured, why not? Minutes into the Spanish film about a young woman with an intense sex drive, I wondered if there had ever been anyone as masochistic as me. The very raw and real sensual scenes only highlighted my desperation, adding thoughts of, I wish I were sleeping, to the mix. Why didn't my partner struggle with such yearning when I was away? At least he never seemed to. And being the nosy, er, um, inquisitive type, I had certainly asked. He missed me, sure, but seemed less... Ah, that word again. Needy. Perhaps my few years of sexually free, explorative singlehood between relationships hadn't been enough. His sexual history was far more diverse than mine, after all having been an established musician and numerous years older than me. His confidence and experience were evident in his every move between the sheets, and I gratefully benefited. While some of that could have derived from natural forte and, I like to think, our mutual chemistry, I imagined he had learned a heck of a lot along the way. So many experiences. So many women. A hug. No, 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 no. Was I jealous? As if needy hadn't been enough. I began picturing previous women he had dated, then imagined many more. Groupies throwing themselves at him after concerts. Erotic, film-worthy one-night stands. Threesomes in hipster hotels I had no idea if he'd ever partaken in. He must have had countless seductive fans and encounters in his musician days. Oddly, I didn't care who the women were, whether they were cool or gawky, erotic or timid, lovely or plain. I wasn't jealous of his partners, I realized, but of his comparably vast experience I would never have. The more I pondered his sexual escapades, the more I craved him and his body. To relish every escapade he had ever had, I wanted him to show me, to describe every sensual detail, turn me on even more, and carry me into erotic ecstasy. Damn it, why couldn't he be here? My hand moved involuntarily between my legs, a place I had never explored solo. Through the crotch of my thin cotton pants, I felt the heated swell of my pussy, its seemingly unquenchable want. I rubbed it for a frustrated moment, wishing like hell doing so would make me come. But rubbing had never done much for me, not without a firm penis tucked inside. Wait. The toy. The epiphany replaced my angst with giddy curiosity. As a gag wedding gift, a girlfriend of mine had given us a dildo set. We hadn't used it, but enticed by the thought, had stashed it away under the heading of Maybe someday. If I couldn't have a hard cock of flesh, a prosthetic seemed like the next best thing. 
what was the harm in trying? Feeling like a nervous teenager, I raced to the closet and pulled the sex toy kit from the wooden chest where we stored it. Rifling through layers of quilts and sweaters, my hand fell on the firm package. Simply touching it added vigor to my want and a happy curve to my lips. I pulled the kit out, then removed its casing, staring at the dildo in awe. The hot pink plastic penis glowed in the dark, given preemptive light exposure. But no way was I wasting time waiting. Besides, where it was going was lit up already. I climbed onto the bed, clutching the toy like newfound treasure. As I peeled away my clothing, I glimpsed my reflection in the wall mirror. Blush crept up my neck and into my cheeks, as though I had been lost in passionate kisses. Salivating, I watched my chest move up and down, marking labored breathing. My back arched involuntarily, pushing my rear outward in kitty-like play. Everything about me seemed to have gone from frumpy and sad to titillating and turned on. If I could have kissed myself, lips on lips, twin tongues exploring, I would have. I wasn't attracted to myself, but to how it felt and appeared to be so gloriously aroused. I couldn't recall the last time I'd felt so uninhibited and alive. Wishing I had a man, any man, my man, there to push up against, envelop and ride, I said, screw it. Then screw it, I did. When I pressed the tip of the dildo to my clitoris, chills rushed over my skin. I was wet, really wet, and visibly swollen. In the mirror, I could see my vaginal lips bulging outward, like fiery rosebuds blooming. I slid the toy inside me, moaning as delight spread through my body. I was making love to no one in mid-air. Sublime. Overwhelmed by the need to grab onto someone or something, I piled two pillows on top of each other and straddled them. I rocked to and fro on Mr. Pillow, the dildo like a ready-to-launch rocket inside of me. My urge to climax so strong, I could barely breathe. Within minutes, it happened. Pleasure seemed to shoot through every cell in my body, so hard that I released an uncontrollable wail. Then I crumpled to the bed, tears flooding my cheeks. I did it, I thought. I really did it. I had made myself come. I had masturbated. Desperate to share the enlightening experience with someone, I phoned my husband. Oh my God, that's, um, wow, that's amazing, baby, he said, laughing in a tickled way. Odd appreciation evident in his I'm at work tone. A side note, that conversation would go down as one of our favorites of all time. That night, I struggled to sleep. Amid my euphoric, nearly intoxicated state, my thoughts swirled back through my youth and early adulthood. So many years sans masturbation, 
How would my life have been different had I learned the art of self-stimulation and pleasure years ago? Profoundly, I deduced. No question about it. I recalled my high school boyfriend and first sex partner, Aiden. By that time, it had been ingrained in me that people were to be in love and, more importantly, married before having sex. Ideally, to make a baby, I had no intention of having. I wasn't even terribly attracted to Aiden when we met, but he had taken an interest in me for reasons I couldn't fathom, given my dwindling sense of self-worth, and I was intrigued. Our relationship grew physical, and I developed a sincere fondness. Now I wondered for what. We had broken up countless times only to end up back together, caught up in a makeup sex marathon. Loved ones had told me numerous times that Aiden seemed controlling. Had he been? From my first time on, sex had seemed like necessary medicine, a way to release the tension in my body and brain to help me think and feel more clearly, even before I'd overcome long-standing body image and self-esteem problems. Though granted, for years, I refused to make love with the lights on. I recalled the many times I had struggled to focus in class throughout adolescence, not because of sexual cravings, but what I'd called brain fog. My then-undiagnosed ADHD couldn't have been the only issue. Even if it had been, talk about groovy medicine. Meanwhile, I obsessed, obsessed over boys, whether or not they might find me attractive, assuming they most certainly did not because I felt anything but. My declining self-esteem and poor body image seemed inseparable. One fueled the other like a snowball, careening down a hill growing in size and velocity. What if I had masturbated then? Would the sun have shone through the fog even somewhat? Would I have had a taste of the relaxation and empowerment I was experiencing now? Felt less lonely, less desperate, more complete? I considered my relationship history, which my mother has jokingly compared to a very interesting movie. Throughout my 20s, starting post-breakup with Aiden, I had tried to remain single for a while to feel happy and strong on my own because it seemed like the healthy thing to do. Yet each stint ended in a hormonally charged new beginning with Mr. Seemed Right. I leapt from one serious relationship to another, most ending in a tumultuous breakup. Only afterward, in my stints of singleness, did some level of empowerment find me. But inevitably, horniness won out, and I would be back in a relationship. Because obviously, if we were going to have sex, we had to at least think we were headed toward marriage. Like mirrors, I had attracted guys as insecure as I was or who thrived on my deficiencies. Would I have forged so many relationships if I had been inclined to address my sexual urges myself? Certainly, masturbation wasn't a substitute for intimate relationships. Even as a rookie, that was clear. Regardless, I sensed multitudinous benefits. Virtually the only time I hadn't craved sex and sought it somewhat frequently took place when I was modeling in New York City and Europe in my late teens. Work compared to using sex appeal to sell, ironically. 
Then my unaddressed ADHD, related depression, and body image issues had transformed into anorexia, a disease that robs the sufferer of every curve, every sexual want, and one that dang near took my life. Would all of that have happened had I been more connected with myself sexually? I didn't know, but I did sense a significant correlation. More questions accumulated in my mind like flakes in a dizzy snow globe. Where had my sexuality begun? At birth? With menstruation? I flashed back to my mom's You're a Woman Now speech, which I had stomped away from, refusing to listen. Did it start with Aiden? Losing my virginity? It certainly hadn't started in sex ed class. From where had my beliefs about my sexual behaviors and capabilities derived? I thought of my grandmother, who taught me early on that everything down there is private and should not be touched by anyone, not even me. I thought of my grandfather, a pastor, who had sexually, physically, and emotionally abused my mother, of the bizarre twist of fate that saved me from the same of the decades I had spent loathing my body's shape and appearance, of the lingering insecurities I hadn't been able to shake or make a dent in, even with years of internal self-work and strengthening. I looked down at my naked body that night, trembling, pink, and post-coital, and saw for perhaps the first time the precious castle I'd been living in, yet had long neglected. Making love with myself dusted off a layer of dislike, revealing authenticity, inner beauty, and potential. My sparse tears turned into soft weeping as it hit me. Here I was at age 30, finally learning to fully love my body and, by extension, myself. That night opened my eyes to what I had been missing for decades, which went far beyond masturbation. It began to dawn on me that embracing our sexuality and capacity for pleasure can be as crucial to living a full, healthy life as eating a balanced diet, breathing well, and getting sufficient nightly sleep. How can we live sensuous lives if we don't embrace our sexuality and all it stands for, or if we buy into damaging sex-related myths, of which I would learn there are too many? How many of the negative notions about female sexuality were valid? Do we really desire or value sex less than men? I had long questioned that, given my own ready appetite and the simple fact that the notion made no rational sense whatsoever. Were other women grappling with similar struggles and epiphanies? Surely I wasn't a unique case, or even close, I imagined. How would all of our lives differ? if women were encouraged to celebrate and explore their sexuality? To answer these questions, I would have to put my research cap on. Not for the sake of articles or novels I was working on for once, but to make sense of my own journey and women's place in the world. If there was one thing I learned by then, it was that digging deeper and gaining an understanding of oneself are keys to emotional fulfillment. And besides, I had never been one to ignore curiosity. Little did I know then that through my investigation, I would discover what I now believe to be my life's purpose. 
you're holding a very special part of it in your hands. Not long after that experience, I started Girl Boner first on my blog. I started thinking about the books that I wanted to write, and I started this show. And that idea led me to the streets of Los Angeles with an important question, which you might recall from our very first episode. So how would you define Girl Boner? Uh, I have no words to describe that. Indescribable. I like that. Thank you so much. So tell me what a girl boner is. Something involving the chest area. Ooh, the chest area. And is it a positive thing? Yes. And would you say it's um, a chest area for everyone or, or one gender? Um, one gender. Yeah? Yeah. Women? Women, yes. Awesome. Very cool. And you like them? Oh, yeah. Sure. I do. <laughs> awesome. We like you for that. Thank you so much. So what, in your opinion, is a girl boner? A girl that has an erection off something. <laughs> That's a great answer. It's a good thing? Uh, yes, may, might be. <laughs> might be. Okay, I like it. I'm sorry, I made you blush a little bit. Did I make you blush? Uh, a little bit, yes. A little bit, Thank yeah. You. <laughs> You're welcome. Have a good day. What do you think a girl boner is? I have no idea. No idea at all? No. Take a guess. What do you think it's related to? I'm trying to think of a, of a good way to say it. Okay. Mm. Take your time. You're thinking something. I can see it. <laughs> you need a drink, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, what? What uh, do you think? It's positive. Good I think so. I mean, if guys can get it, why can't girls? Yeah. Amen. You know what? That was a great answer. Thank you so much. How would you define um, a girl boner? Mm, does it have something with bonos? It does have something to do with boners. Yes. Something like a present or... Ooh, a present. It is kind of a present. It's a present for ourselves and for other people. Yeah, because in German, bonus is, uh, means present. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Boner means present in Germany. Bonos. Bonos. Very, very close. That's so interesting. This has more to do with, like, female sexual arousal, usually. But everyone has their own definition, so... Yeah. Thank you so much for talking to me. Hearing that just reminded me how new and excited I was. I was basically like a human vibrator, like buzzing about these things out loud, sometimes a little too loudly in public. And I have learned so much about sex, sexuality, and gender since then. One thing that has not changed over the years is my passion for talking with folks about sexuality. In fact, reading my first solo orgasm story earlier brought something to mind that I want to share with you. And it's something that my work with this show and talking to so many people about their sexual empowerment journeys has taught me. And that is the idea of being a late bloomer. I am not really a fan of that phrase anymore. I used to call myself a late bloomer in the solo play department. Once I really embraced masturbation, I felt like I was late to the game. Why hadn't I delved into it sooner? But the word late suggests that there's this ideal time to start. 
I've heard folks of all genders and sexual orientations say that they're a late bloomer in sex with a partner. They're a late bloomer with their first sex. They're a late bloomer with their first kiss. And yes, there are definitely barriers to pleasure, especially for women, femmes, and queer folks, people who have a lot of like religious shame that they grew up around, which might push the pleasure we deserve back and cause other problems. But when we say we're late to bloom, it feels, at least to me, as though we're saying that we messed up somehow. Like, I was late to the party. In other words, I should have been on time. Whether we experience partner sex before solo sex or vice versa, whether we decide to start having sex in our teens or 20s or 30s, no matter when we embrace or understand our orientation or gender identity, none of that says a thing about our worth or sexual value. There is no race or competition or best timing. I was just reading about an incredible artist, Mary Delaney. She's a renowned English artist. She made these gorgeous floral artworks made of paper and other materials. Before pursuing her art, she was forced to marry a much older man who had health problems and who required a lot of care from her. And so it wasn't until her 70s that she started her decoupage, her 70s. So yes, we could say, wow, she was a late bloomer. She was late to the game. Or we could say, holy freaking smokes, how badass that she pursued artistry in her seventh decade of life. That is some serious blossoming. And I'm guessing that she blossomed before she started her art. Imagine discovering something so remarkable about yourself and your abilities and your creativity at that stage. And maybe she was sad about that too. Maybe she had to grieve the years she could have been creating art. If so, that is completely valid. I get that. At the same time, any delay was not her fault. It was society and patriarchy and blah, 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 blah. And the fact that she persevered and continued to discover just makes me admire her more. What courage that had to take. I really think sexual blooming is similar. Before I started delving into solo play, I learned a lot about sex through partner sex. I was working on myself in other ways. We are all blossoming. We are all blooming. And the last thing I would want is for someone to hear me call myself or anyone else a late bloomer and then wonder, oh my gosh, am I tardy too? I guess what I'm saying is I am all for blooming, perpetual blooming through our whole lives. And I hope we all continually discover more about ourselves, our own pleasure, our sexuality, however we define it. However, it ebbs or flows or changes over the years. And here's another thing to keep in mind about blooming. Even the most lush, radiant flowers do not bloom all freaking year. Most plants go dormant for a while each year, and it's crucial for their survival and their regrowth, especially during periods of stress. I think that applies to sex too. Sexual growth and empowerment are not about doing as much as you can sexually or 
trying every fetish and relationship style or the wildest sex you can think of. Unless that's what you want to do, great, go for it. Just don't put pressure on yourself. Sexual growth and empowerment are about living a full life, caring for yourself, nurturing your curiosities, cultivating self-awareness, having adventures, not just in the bedroom, and cutting yourself slack, getting plenty of rest. So please have patience with yourself wherever you are and know that wherever that is, I think it's groovy. Here is to blooming. With that in mind, I will leave you with a few journaling prompts to ponder or write about or chat about with a friend. What is one thing you've learned about your sexuality in the past few years? What could you cut yourself more slack around in terms of your sexuality? What is one thing you would like to explore sexually or sensually in the future and why? I'll share a printout of these prompts on Patreon soon too. I feel like I should thank you all for coming by today because honestly, it feels like you were sitting in my living room for this episode. So thank you. You were an awesome guest. I don't even have to clean up after you. So it's just amazing. If you had fun too, I would love to hear from you by way of a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the iTunes store. You can also support the show by sharing links with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.